podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it's the Anfield app with me, Gareth Roberts. A little bit later this week, so we're going to look at the Crystal Palace win and we're going to look at the Man City game tomorrow night. But hugely satisfying win, obviously, at Palace. Jürgen Klopp's 100th Premier League match in charge and then this Champions League cracker at Anfield to get stuck into. So with me to get stuck into all that is Dan Fieldsend, Rick McAvoy and the Liverpool Echoes, James Pearce and Paul Senior. So top, top team to talk about. A top team. Uh, pre-match, uh, Paul, when the team come out, um, and, and just the general feel around it as well. I I, I don't know whether this is just me and maybe my uh, ongoing problems with negativity, <laughs> um, but I just felt that I had a bit of a, a feel of a sort of perfect storm for a bad result. So, you know, international break, early kick-off on the telly, not the best pitch or conditions. Three former players in Kelly, Sacco and Ben Teke on the pitch for them. And then, of course, you know our pantomime villain Roy Hodgson lurking with intent in the opposite dugout. You know all of those things set off a few little warning bells for me that it could be, you know, not the best day for us possibly. And when you thought about City to come as well, you just thought, mm. and then the way the game actually started as well. All of those things, you just thought could be one of them days. Yeah, I think as Liverpool fans, we're probably guilty of working ourselves up a little bit much mm. about them sorts of things to be honest you know we've had we've had so many so many times where where instances like that where old oh, players coming back home managers whatever and we haven't managed to quite do the business the thing is this is a different Liverpool time and a different era different Liverpool squad with a different Liverpool manager um, and I think what what does happen is you sort of get the measure of just how good this Liverpool side is to be to be able to put, perform not particularly great. Um, everything sort of going against you in the first half, and then to respond in the second half like we do. Obviously, there's a there's a bit of um, there's a few circumstances around Mane and whatnot, which which you know we can debate all you like, but we we respond perfectly in terms of taking them off, finding a way to win the game. And it's, for me, it's a good dress rehearsal because I was just playing on Talking Reds then as we recorded that. that um, when I was growing up, my dad always said, well, that's why Man United win the title, lad. And because they, they find a way to win to win from from poor positions and that's what the Liverpool side has done. And we've done it again, we've done it before this season. So I'm, I'm treating between now and the end of the season in the league now as a dress rehearsal for a title assault next season and they're the sort of wins you've got to pick up to win them. Yeah, I think that's all all fair enough, isn't it, from uh, from Paul Dan and, and like, you know, when you looked at it though, and you're thinking about, you know, are we going to win the game here? Because that's what you do, isn't it? You know, before an actual ball's kicked, you're looking at the team, you're looking at the the bench, and you're trying to work it all out in your head before anything's actually taking place. And you, I, I think when you looked at the midfield, Liverpool's midfield, you thought, well, maybe looks a little bit workmanlike, you know, those three together. Um, also as well, when you're looking at the bench and you see Klein there. Um, obviously down to Gomez's injury and it almost a positive and a negative at the same time in that you know a positive to see him there and it's great that he's back and it's great that he could be involved soon but a negative in that you know he's not really had a practice run anywhere and and we were you know a, a trend injury away from seeing him on the pitch so again there was sort of even that as well could could, could set a bit of a, a chain of negativity going if you like when you saw the team yeah and especially with the news we just had now the massive injury yeah we don't want to look too frail at the back um i think you've hit the nail on the head with that workman like midfield and it, it always does look that way when you've got milner and henderson in there together 
But I think Klopp's kind of expected this Palace team to uh, to play the way they did. You know, that he was looking for us to win them second balls, and that's what them lads were in there for. And our threat, and it'd probably be the same against City, and we'll talk about that later, it's going to come from them full-backs, from the wide areas. So I'm kind of expecting that, that, that similar kind of style of play to come. Tomorrow, you know, we're going to just look to control the midfield and don't give City a chance to play. Um, even though they would probably protect them more against Palace, yeah, I feel like the, the, the team picked itself, you know, on Saturday, especially with Robertson and Arnold. They looked, especially as the second half progressed, they were our two biggest threats mm. getting forward. It was coming from them wide areas. And, and James, just to sort of get into it then a, a bit more and in, in, in a bit more detail as well, the first half, I mean... It didn't start off the best for Liverpool. The, the, the tempo wasn't really there. The you know the, the the passing was a little bit predictable, and also as well, I think you know the, the, there is a little bit of a concern there in, in in how Palace got at us a little bit because it was no surprise, was it, in in how they approached the game? You know, deep and compact, looking to spring on us, long balls to Ben Teke with Zahaf latching onto flicks. We've seen that straight away. You know, first few minutes, there's one there. Um, Trent clears it up that time. But then, you know, obviously a similar ball leads leads to the penalty and leads to them getting into the lead. But also as well, it's something we've seen, and lots of people picked up on this, it's something yeah. we've seen against Manchester United as well. Almost as though, you know, teams are looking at this now and saying, well, that's a little bit of a weak spot for Liverpool. So that, that that's a bit of a concern, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's no question that, that Palace had, had targeted that area. It was, a, it was a definite ploy hitting those diagonals into that space between Trent and I think it was Matip. Uh, most of the time on that on that side, and um, it was an area of weakness. I thought you know Trent had a really tough first half against Wilfred Zaha. Um, there's no disgrace in that. Zaha um, is is an excellent player, but um, that was a real worry. And then you know obviously when you when you gift them the penalty and the early lead, it was it was perfect for Palace in terms of the way that they were set up to then drop off, let Liverpool have the ball, as you said, you know be compact and and try and frustrate them. Um, and yeah, it was it was probably as poorly as Liverpool had played in a in a first half for a long time in terms of both defensively and going forward. You know, I think there was no real redeeming features to that first half performance. You know, lack of lack of spark and creativity in midfield. The front three were very quiet. Um, and I was I must admit I was I was concerned at that point um, because. Palace, you know, as we know, you know, whatever you say about Hodgson, he knows how to organise a team. It's not particularly pretty, um, but at, at that stage, they were they were doing a job on the Reds. Yeah, I mean, and Rick, you know, lot, lots of lots of talk really about about Trent's performance and and about his struggles first half. Um, some ideas kicking round as well, um, you know, being sent towards us with our Trent interview, which is out there as well about you know being kinder towards. Um, scouse players and all this sort of thing. I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, certainly not from us. I, I feel that we're, you know, fairly critical when we need to be of, of all players. Um, but but on on Trent, I mean, you know, he is a he is a nineteen year old lad. He is the lad who, who who's been transformed into a fullback, if you like. So a you know mistakes are, are, are going to happen, and he, and he's going to have to learn from them. But big as well, I, you know, I, I watched the game back, and I wonder whether. Just giving him stick for for what happens in the first half is fair because there's a number of you know there's a number of things to look at. I think in that you know a is Liverpool's pressing good enough? Was the energy high enough? 
you know, it, was, it seemed very easy for Palace to get a ball to Benteke, is what I'm saying at times. And then equally, you know, he is he's caught wrong side. But then, you know, you look at some of the other players involved in the passages of play just before. You know, Van Dijk doesn't react well. Um, Henderson is beaten in the air. Things like that. So, is is it a bit simplistic to be pinning it all on a poor performance from Trent again, which is what a lot of people are saying? Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked before about um, perhaps a bit of leeway you'll get with young players. Uh, we the big question show the other yeah. week. Where if you think if we've gone out and spent twenty million on a, a young right back from Spain or Italy and he's had the last few games that Trent has, then maybe he's getting a lot more stick. But the the key points are one you've just said there, it's it's not all on him. You know. The first ten minutes or so they tried pinging up a few long balls to uh to Benteke on Van Dyke's side and Van Dyke just cleaned him out, just won everything. It uh, didn't take him long to switch to Matip. Matip was perhaps, for my liking, a bit too passive. He wasn't really going right up against um, Benteke, trying there, to win there, those. There was one, wasn't he, where he goes he, he goes as though he's going to challenge him and, and, then, and then decides back. to back off, yeah. Yeah, as, though, as though he just decides he can't win. He's actually taller than Benteke as well, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think, I think the, it, it is a systemic issue if, if you've... If you're in that, that backroom team and you're looking at the two goals we conceded against United, then they come from long balls into a big striker to flick on into that channel. And also, you know, Zaha's movement, Zaha's, Zaha's a top six player minimum, right, playing in a terrible team. But he, he's got really good movement, he's got really good pace. It's, it's not... You know every fullback who's going to be able to get the better of him in every situation. So Trent actually needs a bit of protection in those, or anyone playing right back is going to need a little bit of protection in those circumstances. Whether it's your midfield dropping to help him out, whether it's your central midfield, say your six, and when your centre halves compressing the big target man, you know one from each side trying to win the ball. There's a lot of different ways you can protect your fullback in that instance, and we we tend not to. I think it's no surprise though, Gareth, that that side's it. Are going to be targeting the right hand side now. Yeah. You've got a seventy-five million pound centre half and one of the best left backs in the Premier League at the moment playing on the left, mm-hmm. or you've got a nineteen-year-old right back and and our poorer choices at centre half on the right hand side. So Liverpool, I think, have got to be a little bit more a little bit more savvy with that. And I think Milner is maybe the, is maybe the reason. I'm struggling to put this. I think Milner should be playing the other side. Basically, there's a lot of there's a lot of protection there with with Robertson. Mane gets back a bit more than Salah mm. does, and um, and obviously you've got Van Dijk sweeping up on the left hand side. If if he was to switch Milner's right hand side, he could he could then cover Trent a bit more. You know, I think Andy Robertson in games Milner's playing is is, is looking like one of the best left backs in the world. But it helps because you've got someone doing your dirty work for yeah. you. You know, Milner's mm. such a self selfless player that it that he's allowing Robertson to perform. Now don't get me wrong, maybe maybe I'm looking at this in a negative point of view where Klopp's going, I'm playing Milner there to release Robertson to do all the damage he's doing and that's how we get the how we get the goal, um the first goal. But sometimes I think maybe in the game against Manchester City, if Emery chanted out, you maybe look at Milner to cover Trent and take the risk on Robertson a little bit. You know, there's going to be times where we're under the cosh. Let, I don't know, Wijnaldum or whoever, whoever's going to play that left-hand side of midfield cover Robertson a bit more, but put someone with an experienced head 
next to Trent, where where he can you know second half when we go through at the back, you see you see the best of Trent. You know he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think putting one man in that in that three in midfield, you need to, you need to keep Trent in mind against more offensive sides. Um, so I, that would be my move. I would just switch switch sides with Milner. I think well, as well the um, if you think back to last season. Probably when Wijnaldum was actually at his most effective for us, he was playing on the left of midfield. You had Milner at fullback, you had Coutinho wide left, and you had Wijnaldum playing on that side. And from what I've seen this season, I just don't think he's been as effective playing mm. out on the right. Well, obviously not out on the right, but the right of the three. So that seems like a, a perfectly sensible Klopp, solution. Klopp, just clop a couple of times, sorry, Dan. As, as done that sub, I, I remember the difference it made at Stoke away this season. Where he does a double sub with Milner and Salah, and all of a sudden we're in the game. You know, And it was just, just Milner's ability to allow other players to play. Now, James Milner, I, I, the James Milner I sort of, not grew up watching, but the, the Milner in your mind... <laughs> <laughs> um, is you know 13 14 comes off the bench he's a flying winger against city and i think he deserves a bit of credit because there's no ego about him mm. he's just allowing other players to play um the only thing i would say is in bigger games i've seen milner sort of not have the legs to to compete but if chan's injured i would consider milner right for for city Henderson is the six and um, with whoever else you want to play just on that city point there no i don't want to get tied up on it but they played, was it Laporte played left-back left back, yeah. against Everton, which he's not going to be overlapping and bombing on. He is fundamentally a centre-half, which might you know ease things up on Trent, potentially. I suppose we'll have to wait and see on that point. But you're right that he has been getting targeted a lot. Um, I just hope that's not the case against City with Laporte being there, like I say, no overlaps. Fabian Delft's been back in training and hasn't seen a light of day. And obviously he's been first-choice left-back for Manchester City all season. Mm. I wonder whether this, this game might be the return of Fabian Delft, which you know, I'd much rather see Laporte, a, a centre-half, a very good one at that, playing left-back. But I think if, if Delft comes in, Manchester City is stronger. I just wonder about do we think it's a bit of a, a concern that it's not worked out earlier really that you know that, that the tactic Ben Teche is a hard etc. You know appreciate both of those are, are good at certain things in the game like it's hard obviously to beat Ben Teche in the air. Zaha will make a fool out of, out of a lot of fullbacks. He's a good player, but it, it just seems to me that at times there wasn't the obvious plan to deal with them. So the, you know you see there's one way Matip and Henderson are almost running into each other to challenge Ben Teche, which is not ideal. Later on in the game, you know, as you say, obviously switch system and you see Van Dijk win and some others against Ben Teche then. But it, it, it's just that almost the on-pitch management, really, that, that they, they couldn't sort it out earlier. What I'm saying is you could see you could see the goal coming before the goal arrives. Carriers makes a good save. Yeah. Um, and, and I say there's the, there's the one Trent um, clears up early on as well. So it's, there was a few warning signs and they didn't take heed of them. It was a little bit different than Man United. They were just going straight down the middle. Um, they, they, they seem to be going wide, trying to trying to spread us a bit and getting an early ball into Benteke. And that, that was working. And especially you've seen that first bit of the second half, that's paying off for them. The difference that ha- that seemed to happen is when we went three at the back, is that you could allow Van Dijk to go with the danger of the knock-on being intercepted by the, the third centre-half, that which was Lovren. So there was times where Lovren was going and winning it, but we were almost playing a sweeper. Mm. You know, it was, you. I'll stay, you go, we'll try and win that first ball, because it wasn't winning. I thought, I thought 
there was a period in, uh, at the beginning of the season where I was a bit concerned about Klopp's in-game management, but I think from since the turn of the year he's got a lot right. Um, the the this one especially it's going going three at the back. Obviously he brings Lallana and Oxley Chamberlain on for uh, is it Mane and who's the other one? Winalden. But then he's forced to change again. Now when when Lallana pulls up, um, he's got no other midfield options really to turn to. And he, his immediate thought is, okay, how, how do I win this midfield? I'm going to let the full-backs go and I'm going to take the risk of three at the back. He's got it spot on, absolutely spot on. And that, I think the influence of the full-backs is how you win the game. One of the things on that, so um, I was actually surprised that pretty much before the trainers have even got on the pitch, you know, Lovren stripped and ready. It almost, to me, looked like he was he was planning on going three at the back anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it was just maybe not quite as quick, but Lovren looked ready to go. Yeah, as soon he was, as that injury he was, happened. Yeah, he was already already stripped off and like he was he was going to come on and that that certainly played a big part in Liverpool winning the game because you know, as I said earlier on, you know, it did free Trent up to mm. to to not worry so much about getting back and dealing with things defensively, just go forward and he, he whipped in some absolutely quality it was deliveries. Almost Beckham-esque, James, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Balls yeah from, there was a f- couple when quite rightly you know, he, he should be asking him why someone not getting on the end of that because yeah. um there was some there's some great deliveries I think Trent probably is a bit of an easy target I think from the United game and at Palace I think sometimes people overlook what he does provide and focus too much on you know why there are weaknesses or whatever in his game and Robert you said earlier on about um, you know I get accused as well of going easy on him because he's a local lad but you know you go easy on him because he's 19 years old I think you know you look at the Champions League this week what other nineteen-year-old kid is is starting in the Champions League quarter-final? Yeah. I mean, it's, like, you know, the other people say, "Oh, but he makes mistakes." Well, of course, he's going to make yeah, mistakes. You're absolutely it's right. I mean, just absolutely are... crazy. Most kids his age yeah. are still in the academy, dreaming of one day making making the step. And you've got to, to allow him to make them mistakes. Exactly, you know, like yeah. you say, he's nineteen. We've yeah. got to look at this ten years from now. He will captain Liverpool because he wants it. You know, he's shown he can achieve what he wants. So let him get the mistakes out of his system, yeah, like he's doing at the minute. People but, are so keen to praise people like Ryan Sessegnon. You know, at Fulham. Tremendous footballer this year playing left side, left wing. No, no responsibility on him. You know, the, Trent Alexander-Arnold's got to think about the fact that he's allowing Mo Salah to play. You know, and also he's got to influence. Um, he's got to influence the attack. He's got so much more to think about. Everyone's so excited by Sessegnon, but he's he's turning up. But he's doing it in the Championship. This lad's doing it in the Champions League, as James rightly yeah. says. You know, he's going to play in one of the biggest fixtures in the Champions League in the, in the last ten years. So there's no comparison for me. The the the, the delivery, the, the fact that he's got to add something to this Liverpool side, and you know you can you can stand out of full, you can stand out in the Championship, but he's he's standing out offensively in one of the best attacking units in the Premier League. Is he getting in back? You know when Klein comes back, is he getting back in that team? Because Trent, like you say, the they are Beckham esque some of them. Mm. He did one even a defensive clearance in the second half. It was outside of the boot towards Marnie. You know, and you're not getting that from Klein. Let's be honest. I like Klein. He's a, he's a good seven out of ten player. But Arnold's so much more fluid going forward, and, and we're dangerous with him in the team. Also, though, the, the, you know, there's a there's a stand to character there, isn't there, James? As well, you know, you saw him as a, a young lad, as you say. But you know, he, he he could do the thing where you know he's like, I, I was at fault there, I was at fault there, and, and you see him, you know, do a foul throw as well, and and, and like you know, 
lesser less players who aren't as mentally strong as what I'm saying might might basically lose the shit there yeah. and have an awful game full stop. But for them to be able to bounce back and be so pivotal to what Liverpool were doing second half, as you say, putting in loads of great balls, that shows something about him as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You know, that strength of character is what has enabled him to make the rapid steps forward that he has done over the last eighteen months. I mean you think back it wasn't even that long ago that you know, he was called into that pre season friendly, I think it was at Swindon, wasn't it? In 2015 and no one had really heard of this you know 16 year old kid or whatever who, who'd, who'd made the leap up to the 18s and you know and you think what, how far he's come in such a short period of time and it, and that, yeah that's one of his big strengths the ability not to not to dwell on things because the other thing in this club team it's not as if it's not, it's not as if he plays safe and he can just just do the basics and just try and you know so much as expected of him going both ways that um it's such a demanding role, and, and and the fact that Klopp keeps on keeps on picking him um, is testament to, to to what he's produced this season. You know, there's been so much more to admire than to criticise. The, the one thing that did surprise me on the weekend was I thought we probably would have seen twenty minutes, half an hour in Nathaniel Klein, more than anything, just because of the the schedule Liverpool have got. Mm. Because all season Klopp has repeatedly talked about not wanting to overburden Trent, and and how obviously for a long time he was able to rotate Gomez. And Trent, he can't do that now, obviously, with Gomez out for three to four weeks. Um, and I think it's a massive ask for Trent to play, you know, obviously Palace, he played 90 minutes. Now City, Merseyside derby, second leg against City. And and you, I just thought, if you're going to throw Klein into one of those games, then Palace was the one to do it. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how Klopp kind of handles that, mm-hmm. because... I mean, I mean, what what's the feedback been from what you've heard, James, about you know how how he's done? Because he's played under twenty three football, hasn't he, Klein? And and you know he's been kicking about. He's been involved in training sessions as well. Obviously, you know he wouldn't be on the bench even as an emergency if he wasn't capable of coming on. Yeah. So, is there any feeling on how close he is to to, to form and fitness, if you like? Well, yeah, I mean, ask Klopp last week, and he he said it, you know he just doesn't have rhythm. Was he, mm. he said, but the problem, you know, how can you get rhythm unless unless you play? Um, so that, yeah, that was. I found that a bit strange. I think probably it was maybe dictated by the fact that you know obviously the Lalana injury and and the changes that Klopp felt he had to make just because of the way that the game went. But um, yeah, because I think Klein is going to be needed at, at some point. I think you know even if it's just off the bench over the next ten days, because I think just mentally as well as physically for a nineteen-year-old kid, you know it, it's going to be absolutely grueling. Yeah, I mean, just ease climb back in the Merseyside derby. It's only Everton, isn't it? It sort of shows us where we are as well, though, doesn't it? I mean, the, the Liverpool squad, if you go back even two years ago, would we have been looking at players like Conor Randall or John Flanagan now? No, mm. we look, mm. you know, we've, we've got three options at right back. Joe Gomez gets injured with England. We've got a 19 year old kid coming in to replace him. Okay, he's 19, but he's, he's top class, and we don't need to say any more on, on what we feel about him. But then Nathaniel Klein's back as well. It just shows, I mean, where we are now. The, the sort of, I know this is added to the wage bill and stuff like that. But Liverpool's got so much more strength and depth that we can we can have a mini crisis at right back. But the the worst thing that can happen is you bring in an England international right back who mightn't have had enough minutes just yet. I'm sound with that. Yeah, it's not too bad. Is well, it? that's um, if you if you think back just a couple of years, if someone says to you, right, you've got a full England international or a full international fullback. Right, who's going to miss virtually a whole season? And it, would anyone around this table go, "Oh no, we'll we'll be sound"? Mm-hmm. It just 
it's just unbelievable that we Can got I this far. Any position in the pitch that now for me, you've got international footballers yeah. covering everywhere. So obviously, we're hearing about the news about Matip. Okay, Sands will bring in Lovren. That's fine. But what happens if anything happens to Lovren? Well, our fourth choice, our break glasses, Ranyar Clavin. Now, and it's not, it's not some kid with no no minutes. It's a cap, it's the captain of his country. You know, so this is. And one who was playing very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was unfortunate at the time to lose mm. his place. All right, well, if we look more at the sort of the attacking in the first half, then uh, Rick comes to you up first on this one. Um, I mean, fair to say that Sadio Mane has a, a mad afternoon all round involved in sort of everything good and bad and, and in between. You know, he's clearing efforts off the line, he's booked for diving, he should, he should probably have a penalty, um, he scores a goal. But you know, in that first half, there was there was a frustration around around how Liverpool were playing and and the intensity and and sort of you know passes were going astray. But what was good about Liverpool mainly involved Mane, didn't it? I mean, even you know a, a frustration for me watching it was a lot of the passing was sort of sideways and obvious and back to the centre half or back to another midfielder. But you saw a pass from Mane first couple of minutes. He he, he finds Trent in between two defenders and that. When he when he drops into that that deeper role, that's what he's capable of, and and that sort of sets him apart from other lads who are trying to create stuff in midfield. Certainly, that that three that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, it was quite frustrating. Probably, probably the first twenty five minutes, uh, especially once you you start seeing the the passing going astray. To to be fair, Palace were very well organized. Like mm. James said earlier, whatever you say about Hodgson, he can he can. Very physical as well. Yeah. But they. Um, what was frustrating me, we, I didn't think we were we were looking to play many killer passes. and I, mm. It got to the stage where probably after about 25 minutes when you're watching uh, Roberto Firmino having his, his like third shot from 20, 25 yards. But actually thinking about it again, looking, looking at the shape of the game, I think that's how we actually managed to create the spaces we used so much better later on in the game. First half, they were just sitting in and it, it was taking things like Mane dropping into the 10 and playing the pass that no one else is seeing uh, to, to create any kind of space, to create any kind of gap in their defence. But I'm thinking by, by Firmino having those shots, by us taking on opportunities outside the box, it meant that they couldn't just sit on eight, ten yards in a in a nice little row. Someone had to come out to 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 address those those players taking those shots. Which then if you look at the two goals we score, I think the combined distance from goal is what? Twelve yards? So you if if they're just sat on the six yard line, eight yards out, whatever, it's very hard to score both of those goals. But just by the way we're trying to move them about, yeah, it's a lot of sideways and a lot of long shots that aren't gonna create anything. But they've got to deal with them. And that creates the space for everyone else to exploit later in the half, later on in the game, and in the second half. What's good about that, though, is years, years ago when we played a, a team like Palace, we had a tendency to match them. It wasn't that long ago we were throwing Stephen Corker up front, you know, to try and match a team of the same style. But the, the tactical switch, like you say, that Klopp made to go free at the back and push the players further forward, you know, it, it, it's the right decision. It's not one of, oh, we've lost our heads, let's do things totally differently. Like like I say with Corker, um, so I'd say that's a positive that we kept our game and we kept playing the Liverpool way. Oh yeah, I mean they, just the um, the keeping hold of the ball. I know we were a bit sloppy at times in that first half, but we were all about just moving them around, just keep them guessing. I know it, it can get frustrating watching it, 
but how many times has Klopp over the last six months talk about patience? That's that's one of his big that, things. We'll just a keep doing it. Thing for Liverpool at the moment, I think, is patience. I mean, if you look back, even just twelve months, there was t- if Liverpool didn't get the first goal within twenty minutes, we'd be losing our heads, especially at home. Um, but now I think I think Liverpool fans have just got belief that this Liverpool side can score, you know, and that I think that's the main thing is that it's just it's so full of goals. So when you go back to one one, I only see one winner. Then do you know? There's there's still um, opportunities afforded to Palace, but you can only, in my mind I can only see Liverpool winning because something's gonna drop to a player of absolute quality, whether that's Firmino, Oxley, Chamberlain, Salah, or Mane. You just, there's going to be opportunities. I mean, you see the amount of time that Mo Salah feels like he's got in the box at the moment, how much time he's got on the ball. It's that is unbelievable what he does. The, the lack of panic, you know. You see, you see Christian Benteke with two absolute guilt edge opportunities. There was t- there was times where Christian Benteke would take a touch, set himself, and bang it and score. And it just shows you how confident and how confidence is so important for top level footballers. And Mo Salah's just got it in abundance. I mean, for for a game that you know it's widely accepted and and, and Klopp calls it a, a dirty win, you know, there's actually I, I haven't watched it back. I don't think there's there's a huge period of the game where Liverpool are actually abject or awful, if you like, because you know you, you look at Mane's penalty shout. Um, there is, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the, the big debate about it is really. There's a hundred percent contact there. There's a little bit of a delay until he goes down, and I think in slow motion it looks awful. In real time, it looks a penalty. It is a penalty. Um, the way he reacts is why it's not a penalty. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how he's meant to react. Is he meant to just point at his foot and put his hand up? Mm. It, it, the, the the problem is that there's a there's a refereeing problem there for me, and I don't know what the solution is. Is that I think there was a season back maybe Coutinho should have went down for something. Um, and it was almost like, what am I meant to do? Am I just meant to go contact their ref? That's a penalty because you can't because he's in such a he's in such an attacking position, isn't he? That if he if he stands with his foot on the ball, almost Andre Kincelskis like, he's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna be given the the thing. So I think if there there needs to be something where players can almost signal that need that that needs to be a foul. But Mane and I think right. If I'm playing football, I'm doing exactly what Mane does. You know, I'm trying to make the most out of the fact that someone's just threw the boot over mine. That that being said, the way it's it's too theatrical, isn't it? Mm. I I, don't, I I can sympathise with all parties on this one a little bit. It, it is a penalty, but the way he reacts and the, the sort of delay makes it not a penalty. I just think that there all, there needs to be something where you can go. That's a pen. I don't want to dive. What does he do? Pick the ball up, you know. Yeah. And also, what you meant? How how are you meant to deal with that? If if you're stood, even if you're on your heels a little bit, and someone clatters into your shin, what genuinely? What way is your body meant to move? That's what the, the referee Swabich is a Swabich. He just had a mad afternoon. He did. He did. Yeah. He was just going around me. I don't think he'd ever seen football before. <laughs> you know, because if, if if he's made that precedent that it's not a pen and he's dived, so. He's handballed it later, Marnie. How can you not book him for that? I, I just don't get it. And the Palace fans can probably be aggrieved, but you know they think it's sound to sing sign on. So made up. They got beaten. I, I, I think there's, a, there's a, a degree of sensibility there from from the uh, the referee, and I think this hasn't really been touched on. 
I don't think you can send him off for Sadio Mane thinking it's a foul. That's, this isn't a deliberate handball, but he's threw his arm off. Through his arm yeah, it's not a goal scoring opportunity. No. Or I think he's been quite sensible, the ref, and I, I reckon he'll probably get punished by it by the assessors or whatnot for, for what he's done. But I think he's gone. I can't send him off for that. It, it was marginal. He probably thinks I've given a foul, or he should have been given a foul. You see, footballers do this all the time, but what, what actually happens is they get the decision that they're looking for. He hasn't given the decision he's looking for. It probably is a foul on Mane. Uh, maybe a little bit soft, but Mane's, Mane's been stupid. You know, he's lost his head a little bit in the game, but. Um, for me, there's, there's got to be a, a little bit of... You don't send them off for that. It's, mm. it's almost like you tell the manager to take him off. The manager does take him off. You know, if you Crystal pa- if I'm a Crystal Palace fan and I'm on the Crystal Palace equivalent podcast, I'm probably effing and blind. I know it's the referee's <laughs> decision. But but I think the referee's been slightly sensible there and not sending them off. Well, there's the penalty shout and then there's the Mane uh, offside goal, which is uh, on the half hour. And then sort of last last 10 to 15, James, I, I felt like Liverpool picked it up a little bit more. Um, Robertson started getting more involved in, in forward positions. There was a little bit more fight and bite about Liverpool. And, you know, we saw Firmino try a few pot shots um, coming off various player parts and everything else. But Liverpool, those... Certainly, last ten um, of the first half, it looked like you know they wanted to get a goal before our time. Yeah, there was an improvement of sorts. I think you know Salah started to come alive a little bit as well, mm. didn't he? You know, he finally managed to get himself a bit of space, and a couple of times he cut inside onto that left foot, and probably should have done a bit better in terms of stretching Hennessy more than he than he actually did. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Robertson, even when Liverpool were poor, was was still the best player. Mm. Um, Amazing consistency we've seen from him for a, for a few months now that that bodes really well for the the challenges ahead. Um, yeah, with the with the Mane thing, it was it was bizarre because you know I, you, you saw some pundits think match of the day you know labelling him a you know a cheat and a diver or whatever, but acknowledging there'd been contact and you just well, how does that work? You know I think mm. and the, the weird thing is I think if if VAR is in in, in force there he gives a penalty because I think the replays will show there's contact. Um, and and Swarbrick obviously didn't think there was contact. I think the assistant should have helped him out. And, you know, I was, I was sat actually in the stand behind behind the assistant, and you could see that Swarbrick was looking at the assistant for a bit of guidance. He gave absolutely nothing, uh, even though he had a better view of it than the ref, uh, who's then who's then booked Marnie for diving. You know, that's that's just guesswork, really. He didn't he didn't have a clue whether there'd been contact. Or not, and, um, and, you, and you mentioned pundits, mate. I mean, you, you know, you you will you will have seen in similar incidents pundits, including the likes of you know Sheeran and whoever, saying, "Oh well, when they feel contact, it's fair enough for them yeah. to go down." So you know, this is the the sort of the the, the continual hypocrisy around yeah. around the whole thing, really. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I think Danny Murphy was having a go, I think, at Mane as well, and saying, you know, that there's contact, but there's not enough for him to go down. Well, you know what. You, you can't, you, you know, a few so weeks ago. Yeah, so it's a, all right yeah. to just boot someone in the box. Yeah, then. and then you know, but then if you if you stay on your feet when you've been clipped, you then get criticised because you know you're not going to get the penalty unless you go down. So you know, I think I think the, the thing the thing that probably did for Mane there was was the fact there was that delay. I think it was almost like you know Macarthur slid in, and there was just that split second where Mane went to play on, and then in his head thought, oh, he's clipped me there, mm. and then went down. And, and you know, I think that was enough to put the doubt in the referee's mind in terms of, in terms of diving, in terms of the the, the handball in the second half. I think I, I I thought he'd get sent off for that. I must admit it was, mm. but I agree that it was it was 
just common sense because it wasn't it wasn't those ones where the player's gone to ground and grabbed the ball to stop Palace attacking. I think he genuinely thought he'd been fouled by Townsend, um, and I thought it was a foul. You know, it was he he, he was all over him, um, but. Yeah, but by the same token, I think you'd been you'd have been very annoyed as a Liverpool fan. We ask if, us football if that had fans, and the player hadn't hadn't been sent off. We ask us football fans sometimes for common sense, don't we? Yeah. And uh, you hear this letter of the law thing, it's common sense. So you've got what you want. Stop crying about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The referees use this common sense there, and I think I, the, the, the people are talking about there's no grey area in football. The referees actually interpreted it that way. So I think I think he's done all right there. The ref. I was I was made up after the game. I was. I was thinking back about all the decisions that have gone, whether it's the Mane penalties, drug booking, whether it's offside, whatever. And I thought the only one that realistically you could argue he's probably got that completely wrong, like legitimately wrong, is not sending off Mane. Because once he's on a yellow card and he grabs the ball, and I know what we're talking about, common sense, but he's deliberately handled the ball, I was just made up that the one that you'd argue he got wrong went in our favour against Roy Hodgson. I just thought that's that's poetic. Well, we'll, we'll come on to the, you know, given the customary ripping to Roy Hodgson here, it's got it's got to be done and it, and it does play a part. But going back then to sort of the start of the second half, uh, Liverpool come out obviously much better tempo. The fullbacks much more on the front foot. The front three seeing much more of the ball and and obviously scoring early goal second half and and changes the you know the flow of the match really, but. Even even that first move, even that that move that leads to the goal, you look at who's involved in it, and it, you know Mane, Salah, and Firmino all involved before Milner does his hugely exaggerated dummy and um, <laughs> and, and squares the ball for Mane to score. Um, it, it 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 felt as though there was a bollocking or something had gone on in the changes the way they the way yeah. they come out second half, didn't they? I mean, this this Liverpool side shouldn't. Be accepting mediocrity in the first half performance was that they're too good, you know, and you know at the top of the show, Gareth, you talk about this Liverpool um, Liverpool fan sort of feeling everything's against them. I wonder whether that had translated a little bit into the players. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think it was pretty clear someone had given them a rocket at half time, whether it be the manager or one of the assistants. But they respond really well. I think there is little tweaks in there. There's no there's no uh, there's no substitute. But there's, there's tweaks, and it's again what we're talking about is releasing the full-backs, letting them letting them play a little bit more, and it, and it was prominent for me. You know, you were seeing Robertson getting in good areas. You you know Milner obviously for that one. Trent Trent on the other side. Liverpool was was starting to get in the game. I thought that maybe at the, in the first half that the the front three were a little bit spread out, so it was almost like a traditional four-two-three-one almost. Um, Whereas Liverpool seem to play with that, uh, I, use, I keep using David Moyes' expression, that compact three, you know, they're quite quite tight together, More you've seen more and more of them in the box, and you know, we find a way, and th- this Liverpool side continuously, when things are down, finds a way, and it's, it's brilliant to see. And the 15th goal of the season for Mane there, which is not bad for someone being... Since he's playing third, you know, third, third behind the other two, you know, you've Bobby Firmino and Mo Salah, are having brilliant seasons and Mane was our go-to man and I think it suited him a little bit as well last season I think he liked being almost like the, the big fish at a big club you know um, I think I think he maybe struggled not being the go-to guy earlier on in the season um, you know he start, he starts off quite well the goal he gets at Arsenal is tremendous but I think as, as time went on I think it when when the spotlight started to shine on Mo Salah I think Mane maybe took a little bit of adjusting to that 
but ever since he's changed he, position, he's changed position. He's, he's he's playing a lot more centrally. I mean, you were seeing him. Um, was it the Watford game? Almost playing as a number ten. Yeah. Um, and he's playing. He's playing extremely well. Um, I think. I think he's got his confidence back now as well. In the game against Burnley, uh, at Burnley, his touch was all over the place. That you know, you wouldn't think he was a player that could have won Player of the Year last season. Um, but now. He looks, he looks invigorated, and I'm looking forward to seeing him against City in the week. You have to give credit to Klopp for that as well. He's managed that Mane yeah. situation perfectly. If you've got a player who's a, clearly a confidence player, out of form, dropping him would have been the worst thing he could have done there, Klopp. You know, but he, we, we rolled it out as a club. And I think the Porto game is probably where it, it switched for Mane, and he's got that technique back again. You look at that finish... A few weeks ago, he's probably not getting that technique as perfect as it was. I think it was bothering them though. He, he scores an absolutely beautiful goal against Burnley, you know, and I think it was still bothering them at the time after that. But he, you know, we've, we've refer- referenced rhythm so far already mm. on the show, and I think he's a player that that affects most. I mean, he seems to have that back. He seems to have his confidence back. And the other thing is, he seems to have that yard of pace back. That's one thing I was worried about. You know, we've seen so many fast strikers in the past lose lose their pace on our watch. We've seen Michael Owen do it, we've seen Fernando Torres do it. I was worried as he lost the yard. And obviously you've got a, a bit of a different measuring stick on the other side now with Mo Salah, who's even quicker. But, um, yeah, it seems to be fully fit again now as well. So It's aggression, isn't it? It's not aggression in the typical sense, I'm going to kick you know, seven shades out to you. It's aggression that he's going to get that ball in charge of players. He loves squaring people up, doesn't yeah. he? Mm. And he didn't do that for a few weeks, but he is again now, which is could hopefully be ominous for Man City. It was it was a weird game for for Mo, wasn't it, Dan? In that you know he's not he's not that involved. He's not on the ball that much. You know we referenced just before about as a couple of pops first half, but you know they're not really testing the goalkeeper. But I, I think I think there's more love needed for 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 his efforts after Liverpool do score, uh, where, where he's he, he's chesting it down and lofting it early, and it, it, it's not far over. But it's the the technique to do that was was basically a, you know a signal that, that there was nothing wrong with his confidence. He might not have been involved in the game too much, yeah. but 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 you know that that little that little flashpoint of your life was just a, a a sign that he's still on his game. Yeah, his confidence has been ever since he he sent Egypt into the World Cup. He's not he's still on cloud nine. He's not come down, and you see that the way he plays. He's still willing to receive the ball in tight areas. He's not scared of getting fouled and whatever. And like you say, that attempt to even try that. You know, most players, he's received, so when he's chested it, his back's arguably to goal and he's swivelled and done that shot. You know, a lot of players, if they're chesting the ball back to goal, they're bringing it down, they're laying it off to midfield and what have you. Uh, you're right, and not enough love is being given to that effort. If that goes in, you're looking at one of the goals of the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it was a, it was a belt of a moment and for whatever reason, some teams have gone largely amiss. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, the idea of something we talked about before on podcast uh, James put you on the spot here, lad. Um, <laughs> but but just the idea that um, Liverpool at times can be maybe a little too nice as a collective. So all afternoon we saw Kabai, who I, who I like, I've got to be yeah. honest, just because he's a bit of a bastard, um, appealing for everything, in the ref's face, arm around the ref, yeah. talking down the refs. All game he was doing that. There, there was a moment there for Liverpool where you saw uh, Kelly all over Van Dijk. Uh, Firmino was having his being pulled simultaneously at the same time and, and you didn't see anyone in a Liverpool short shirt putting their hands up shouting about it highlighting it to, to the referees I mean we talked about before you know Mane you know 
call it a dive, an embellishment or whatever you want. What he was doing by doing what he was doing was highlighting that something had happened to him. Well, that's not the only way you can highlight it. You got it, you know. You got your voice. You, you can get in the referee's head. You can get in the referee's ear. You can do the same with the with the people on the line as well. You know, do, do, is there that nasty streak about Liverpool that that we saw from from the likes of Kabai? I think it's a good point. I think yeah, Liverpool are too nice. I think I think when you have to look at the you know look at the fair play table. I think Liverpool are right. You know, one of the fewer bookings than anyone in the league this season. Obviously, you don't you don't want Liverpool to just go around kicking lumps out of people. You know, they're an absolute, They've been a, a joy to watch this season because of the quality of their football. They don't you don't need to you don't need to have you know enforcers as such. But there's no doubt that other teams are much better at exerting pressure on officials than, than Liverpool are. I think you know those those two examples there: Firmino having his shirt pulled and and Kelly trying to swap shirts with Van Dijk. There was barely even an appeal on the pitch, no. and I, f- I found that very odd. Because also, I think if there's a big appeal for the first one, I think it was on Firmino that then he doesn't give. You know, that then I think he's much more likely to give the second one. But you know, bec- because you know, no nobody really went to Swarbrick. It, he, um, you know, there was there was no real pressure on him to do it. In, in stark contrast, you look at the Mane handball, and you're right, Kabai is straight in his face, actually waving an imaginary card yeah. as well. Um, which you know should have been a booking in itself for him, um, but yeah, you do you do see that a lot, and I think it was you almost I remember having the same discussion over the 2013-14 team as well because then similarly when Liverpool were enjoying a, a fantastic season, it was a joy to watch. There were moments in that season as well where you know the, the accusation was they were too nice, and you know certainly they're those fine margins, aren't they? That, mm. that can win you points as it was on the weekend. Those those decisions, you know, didn't didn't influence the outcome. But yeah, I think you know, as a fan, you'd probably want to see a few more of the, of the players making an effort to make their feelings known. I think there was a, a point there when when um, around Manny's handball as well. We need to give Jordan Anderson a little bit of praise. Um, you know, you wear a lot of what I think is a lot of nonsense around Jordan Anderson being the captain of, of Liverpool, but he's right there. He's right in the ref. He's telling them. You should have given the foul to us. He thinks you've given a foul. You can, you can, yeah. you can lip read. Him. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wonder whether Jordan Henderson's helped talk talk Mane out of the red there. But it's good to see that little bit of leadership. I like. It's another thing you get from Milner. We're now getting it from Van Dijk. We're talking about a quiet Liverpool team. Okay, they're not in your face. I remember. You know, you, you go back to the, the the golden days of Man United under uh, under Ferguson, and you see the ref or the whole team almost surround Andy Dare. So this Liverpool side's not going to do that. But I think that team could almost be like the cry the, the boy that cried wolf a little bit. Where if Liverpool are up in arms over something, it might hold a little bit more weight. I think that's part of the charm of this Liverpool team as well, though. Yeah. You know, we are a very likable group of players. Okay, maybe we should be a bit more arsehole in certain situations, but the fact we're not. Okay, for the club, it's a good brand image, but the, you're drawn to these players. Mm. You know, you look at them, you like them, you like the style of play, and it, if we played like that and we're, you know, I hate to use the word again, but we're arseholes with it, we wouldn't have the same acclaim that we're getting right now. You talk about, you know, talking about we got beat by the dark, the dark arts against Man United a few weeks ago, mm. and I, I loved all that, you know, I love, I, I, I don't particularly like Jose Mourinho, but I like the fact he can win horrendously, you know, there's something quite charming about that from a from a footballing point of view. Um, Maybe not every week. Not every week, no. But the, the fact he can grind, no. them, you know, the, even though when he gets around field, there's nothing, you know, in 13, 14, there's nothing in it for him to win that game. 
but he's so determined to do it and he'll do it in the most horrible way possible and, and he succeeds in it. I think Liverpool, I've got a little bit of the dark heart in them, but this is this game is an example of how Liverpool win it in that way. It's it's through graft and patience and persistence, you know, but ultimately it's through quality. Um so we don't have to dog it out like Man United do. We we can we can do it in a nicer way with I suppose with nicer lads and with be- better behaved lads, but you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for it. I think we might be talking a little bit differently next year when Naby Keita arrives. You know what I've seen of him yeah. at Leipzig. You're going to get someone with a bit of umph about them. You know, you, you know, everyone, everything you like, Gareth. I suppose in the football are a bit of a. Oh, I can't wait for him. To oh no! I, I mean, <laughs> what my fa- probably favourite footballer ever for Liverpool in my time is Javier Mascarano because yeah, because of that. As well. yeah. And I think you'll get a little bit of that back. You know. You, you look back at the days of Benitez coming on the pitch to put his arm around and you know that all all that sort of thing. I can see glimmers of that in our future, but I think it could be timely in terms of it could be. You know, we talk about Plan A and Plan B. I think we've got a Plan B. You know, most sides don't have, but I think that could be another angle for Liverpool. That little bit of bite in midfield, that little bit of nastiness that is missing. I think you might be getting it next season. I think we're going back on what James and. Dan just said there, you've got, um, yeah, we are really nice. We are just a, a great bunch of lads. Hmm. Let's, uh, everyone, everyone, well, not everyone likes us because lots of people don't like Liverpool, whoever's playing for them. But specifically, really, on James's point about those, those potential fouls in the box with the shirt pulling and that. The, the flip side, not even if you don't get that decision, if you're if you're highlighting it to the ref and the referee, even if he just turns around and says, no, there's nothing, or turns around to the Palace lads and said, I've got my eye on you. Mm. You know, you, you've got two, two circumstances there. Either they think they can get away with whatever they want, so they do something more drastic, and then you can properly go for it and more likely get a pen. Or they've been told they're being watched, so they're not going... Grabbing hold of Van Dyke's. Well, shirt. They, they weren't shy all afternoon, no. were they, Palace? I mean, you know, you saw Ben Teche a few times on on Van Dyke. Uh, what's the other lad, the Scott lads in, in midfield for them, MacArthur, is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's leaving a foot in a few times. Quite like them. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's but, it. The, the thing about, that sort of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, I, I get if you're a Palace fan booing, booing Mane after yeah. you've, you've, you've seen him get booked for seemingly diving. But Virgil van Dijk took about three big hits from Ben Teke. Yeah, he was and lucky, eventually, lucky to only get a yeah, yellow there. Eventually, yeah. only gets a yellow. And then they're, they're, they're booing the hell out of Van Dijk. Well, like, seamlessly, right, nice. um, I want to talk briefly about uh, Ben Teke. Obviously, it feels a long time since he was a Liverpool player, uh, but it isn't. Um, but <laughs> on this evidence, uh, it's, it's very good that he isn't, basically. He has two great chances, doesn't he, James? There, uh, Two chances in a minute, really. Both finishes... Uh, pretty shocking um, Liverpool off the hook a little bit there as well but um, a boss stat that, um, that I found over the weekend as well is that he hasn't scored Ben Teche with his feet <laughs> since he scored at Anfield last April um, he scored four with his head since then but but that, that's some stat isn't it yeah un- unbelievable and you know I think his day on Saturday just epitomised his, his season um, been, a, been a massive massive struggle for him and both chances, you know, were, were were horrendous. The way that he he snatched at them, I think, you know, the first one he's missed by an absolute mile yeah. as well. It's not as if it's just dropped wide or just over. You know, it's gone kind of six or seven yards wide and just just as high. Um, second one, I had a bit more sympathy with him just because I think it came to him really slowly and he was waiting and waiting and ended up, 
he was leaning back by the time he hit it. But you know, for a for a, what was it? Thirty-two million pound. I think the deal was that Liverpool sold him back to Palace. You think how good that that business looks now? I think it was. I think it was twenty-seven. Liverpool pocketed up front, and when you think, you know, I think it was always a gamble when Liverpool bought Benteke. You know, it was. I think it's been well documented that, you know, it was very much a Brendan Rodgers signing. Mm. You know, the, the club, uh, Michael Edwards, and other people on the recruitment panel had major doubts about it, but. You know, with the owners having decided to give Rogers uh, to stick with him on the back of the way the season before it ended, they they backed his judgment, and I think part of that was because they felt that even if things didn't go right because of his age, and what he'd achieved prior to then, that his value would still be be decent, and you know so it's proved. And but yeah, it makes you realise how far Liverpool have come in a short space of time. When you think it wasn't that long ago, you know that they were pinning their hopes on. Benteke and believed that he was the the plan B, as Rogers used to call him. That they needed to make that next step, and now you know you see Benteke struggling massively in a team battling to to stay in the league. And you know I think you know he touched upon it earlier about things that made you worried going into the game with the international break, the you know the build up not being great, the lunchtime kickoff it being away, and obviously the the former Liverpool contingent was part of that, but. You know, Benteke had an absolute nightmare and mm. Sacco was no better. When you think, you know, there's still, I think there's still a section of Liverpool fans that believe that, that Sacco was, was harshly dealt with and that he was remains the solution to defensive ills and all the rest of it. And then, you know, the I think the sight of Sacco, you know, where uh, I'm not sure what he was doing for the winning Scrambling goal. Scrambling around on the floor. <laughs> he, was on his, he was on his backside <laughs> by the time that, uh, that Salah tucked that one away and, um, you know, didn't cover himself in glory. Um, and you think that was on a day when Liverpool's front three as well, you know, only only briefly kind of spluttered into life. So God knows how much Saka would have struggled if if they if those three had been uh, been on top of their game. I think I think them two players that James references there are sort of the the issues that we've had with our they're all our problems of yesteryear almost mm. the indicator. So. They're almost like, you say this Liverpool side now, and we used to talk so much about the transfer committee and people like that. They don't get it wrong anymore because the project's so clear, the plan's so clear. These signings, maybe Sacco aside, but Benteke is one where they're almost like, what Arsenal are doing at the moment. Oh, he scored a loads of goals in the Premier League last season, so he'll do for us. You know, there was no... That Liverpool side of Brendan Rodgers, that never suited... How how can Christian Benteke be almost like a replacement for Daniel Sturridge or for Luis Suarez? You know, we're talking now about Naby Keita and looking like the perfect piece of of a of a, a jigsaw that's ever improving almost. Well, the, the, the most stark the starkest one for me is when you're looking at it in the way you're talking about is if you look at you are number nine is now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And stylistically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it, it, we talk all the time about him being absolutely perfect for what we want for what Klopp wants. And and Ben Teche was a as you say, a, well he can do a job. He he score, he's got a track record. He can do that, but he's bored for the wrong reasons, isn't he? And it ends up showing. Absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. So you you look at Arsenal, who are almost like reactionary at the moment, and I I would say that's where Liverpool were when they signed Ben Teche. They're, they're a side that's reacting to a, a poor season previously. That it's almost like well he's doing he's scoring goals in the Premier League, and we need someone who can score goals in the Premier League. Whereas now we've got a project and. You look at our transfer targets, you talk about Jorginho, you talk about, obviously we've signed Naby Keita, the players were being linked with um, the lad at Leipzig, uh, Timo Werner, 
So I, I look at Werner and I go, stylistically, is he the right fit for Liverpool? Because he's not Bobby Firmino. But I suppose as now this project expands, you look into you look into different options. You know, you look at them Trent Alexander and Andy Robertson balls that are being thrown in the other day. He's maybe someone you can turn to if if it's not working for Bobby or you want to drop Bobby in the old to, to influence things a little bit more. But at the time with Ben Teke, I mean, he scores ten league goals for Liverpool, which is you know it's not it's not exactly Balot- it's not Balotelli, but he does okay. He scores a, I think he scores a couple of winners that season around the Christmas time as well. So it was all right for him. But in terms of the short space of time since he's left, I think what was it one and a half seasons since he's been gone now? Just how far we've gone and how far he's regressed as well in that time it's remarkable he like, scored like two this season two well, two goals he had that nightmare didn't he uh, the penalty he had Frank De Boer there at the beginning of the season I don't think quite fancied him and then um, he, he takes he takes the penalty off someone else you know Milivojevic who scores oh, awful, yeah. the, who scores the penalty for Palace I think he's got seven scored seven goals from penalties this season he takes the ball off him I think he was almost trying to throw himself back into form a little bit but it just, it just shows how bad it's gone for him. They said on Match of the Day, something he's had like 28 big chances um, where he's been one-on-one with a goalkeeper and he's, he's only scored two of them yeah. in the time of Palace. That was always a thing when he was at Liverpool. Yeah. He'd seen threading, someone threading a ball through for him and if he was a one-on-one, if he's got 20 yards to run and finish, he was just yeah. like, no, he's not scoring that. To sympathise with him a little bit, there was a time of Villa where you'd see him break the line and get in behind and, and, and slot. He was obviously always great in the air, but there was, he, he was reasonably quick for a big fella. He was a good footballer, but it, it fell apart. I think Liverpool has almost ruined his career, in a sense. It's like James says, he was going to be a plan B, but it like Klopp's way of thinking, if your plan A is good enough, you don't need a plan B. Um, I'm, he's polished for me, you know, the perfect player. You look at what he did on that 94th minute, where he's tracking back and he's sliding in at left-back. Yeah. Who's doing that in Europe? Yeah, what are number nine? Is Lewandowski doing that? There's no other striker in Europe who's doing that. It's only Messi, maybe. Yeah, yeah. He loves a slide tackle yeah. Messi, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, con- conscious of time and the fact that we haven't even talked about the, uh, the the City game yet, which we were supposed to on this podcast, but uh, just, I, I, want to, I was going to ask you about Carrius, but I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say I, I can't see anyone having an alternative view, really, that you know he did pretty well, makes makes a couple of good saves, and, and is now in a hugely different place to where he was not, not so long ago. And I mean, I was quite surprised, really, to see Graham Sooners on the, the telly over the weekend, still sort of questioning him and saying, you know, there's still big question marks around. Them. There's probably some, but but to say the big, uh, I'm not so sure. I think I think in the in the in the run he's had now, it feels like both players and fans are trusting him a lot more now. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean the the save he makes with his chest, you know, he's just got his body there. There's a bit of I suppose there's a bit of Schmeichel in there about him. The the only thing for me is I, I'm a great believer in. Um, you could you could even put Mo Salah into this bracket, I suppose. But if you can if you can improve. On a player in any position, I'll I'll take it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So if Liverpool are going in for Allison from Roma in the summer, I don't know if that's true or not. But say say they were to acquire James. But no, say Liverpool are in for Allison in the summer. He's he, this is Brazil's number one. You, you look at Edison at uh, Manchester City. He's keeping them out of the Brazil side. So if we if we can go out and we can buy a goalkeeper for seventy five million quid or something, I'm taking them all day. Is what I'm saying. But if we don't manage to get that deal done, I feel a lot 
safe and secure now with Carrius in goal. I mean, it would be his turn to play football this week, wouldn't it? I suppose if we're looking at the beginning of the it, season, the, the Man was, City, yeah. the Man City game coming around in the Champions League, that's no good for anyone. I think Klopp knows he's maybe dropped a bollock a little bit on that one. That it's not been good for Mignolet and it's not been good for Carrius. He hasn't he hasn't returned the favour to Mignolet. Mignolet is now the number two goalkeeper, and that's. You know, Carrius plays the Champions League and the Premier League. Yeah, he's out. So he's, he's out. out. But no, it's good. I feel a lot, a lot better about him being in goal. And the only, just a final point, Gareth. Sorry, on him is I feel that we attack better with him. His his way of releasing the ball early, his distribution, all that sort of thing has improved this Liverpool side along with. Obviously, that at the same time he came in is the timely addition of Van Dijk with his distribution. For and the and good well. to just see a positive keeper who, who's prepared to come off his I line. Th- I think on just sorry about this one. It's all right, I mean, you know, I'm, I've got loads of time. I'm worried about use. <laughs> um, one thing that always James always, has got a proper job, and uh-huh. <laughs> sorry, James. Um, one thing that reminded me, well, the beginning of the season reminded me of was that year at United when they had. Uh, it was Lindegaard and De Gea. So De Gea was young, not really... He needed some time to adapt to the league. Carriers didn't really get that last season. He had he had a few games and made a few high-profile errors, so Klopp took him out the, the firing line. I think with Mignolet's form at the back end of last season, it, it allowed Klopp that opportunity to, to ease Carriers in. And I think now we've got to the stage where he's, he has, like with United and De Gea, and I'm not putting him on that level, obviously, but he's now gone, yeah, he's where I need him to be now. He can play every week. And if he gets anywhere near De Gea, everyone's happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to, to conclude on the Palace patch, obviously um, Mo, Mo, does what Mo does best, uh, brilliant composure, puts it away. We're all happy we win the game. Um, Hodgson's, you know, kicking around on the touchline, talking to himself, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic to see. And just you know, that face rub wasn't it? Yeah, it was really. Or, he had a or, half or, face or, rub. Or, yeah. the, or the backwards butt. Um, you know, <laughs> pick your favourite Hodgson uh, moment really of his fume. But um, it was fantastic to uh, to get one over him as well. We probably do need to get over that at some point, but it's probably not going to be any time soon. I mean, if people stop giving him a job. Uh, that'll probably help on that on that score. But in, in in terms of where Liverpool are now, then you know ten points over Chelsea. Um, you know, a few wins away now from it being confirmed that we're back in the Champions League next season. A feel good result at Palace as well in terms of coming from behind and winning dirty as Klopp talked talked about it. The derby at the weekend, but of course first uh, Manchester City. Um, once we got a little bit into this on uh, Under the Lights which is um, our, our preview show for this match which is available to subscribers but just for those that don't subscribe I wanted to get you a little bit on the idea that you know Anfield doesn't play some kind of part in, in, in this tie because there's been lots of attempts to play it down but James we all know different don't we? <laughs> you certainly do yeah I think um, yeah. I think you've seen a few comments from City players who seem quite blasé about it. Uh, but I think you only have to go back to... I was in Guardiola's post-match press conference after the win, after Liverpool beat them at Anfield in January. And he, he said then, you know, he was asked about that nine-minute spell in the second half when Liverpool scored three. And he said, you know, we were we were affected by the Anfield environment. Mm. And, you know, if he, if he thinks... If, if that if that had an impact on City then, you know, you, you think what the atmosphere was like then compared to what it's going to be like on... On Wednesday night, he might want to dish out some earplugs to his players because I think we've seen it so many times over the years, and it, you know, it 
you know, people think, oh yeah, you know, you, they say that, they always say that, but you know, it, but it really does. You know, you think back to that Europa League run to the final. You know, the, what it was like. United, obviously Dortmund was the the pickle up, but probably in terms of seeing a team intimidated and Liverpool inspired, probably Villarreal um, was the uh, you know the kind of epitome of that wasn't it because you know, they they were absolutely destroyed that night and of course city are on a different level to that you know i'm not i'm not expecting them to fall to pieces on on wednesday night but there's no question that that, that can have a big part to play um in in liverpool taking taking the initiative in the tie it's just a shame obviously that you know whatever happens on wednesday night you know i think you know it's there's still a massive job to do at the etihad next tuesday but you know, I think that will have a part to play, and also the belief that Liverpool should take from what happened in that game in January, because you know, in the end, four-three looked like you know a real thriller, but it was actually it actually wasn't that close. You, know, you think Liverpool nodded off towards the end, and it, it became nervy when it shouldn't have been. You know, at four-one, Liverpool had chances to, to score five or six, and um, yeah, it's just you know, it's just an absolutely massive week ahead. You know, just can't wait for it you know you think the two games sandwiched by a Merseyside derby if you can't if you can't get excited about that then you you should probably take up a different hobby yeah it's well like, I mean that's what I was going to say that's what we're all in it for isn't it Dan you know yeah. the, the, you know to be our football to be you know getting excited about at this stage of the season there's been too many you know the last decade or so there's been too many points at this point of the season where we've got nothing to play for yeah and here we are you know quarterfinals of the Champions League pushing to you know secure qualification for the for next season as well you know it's a pretty good time to be a Liverpool fan isn't it I haven't been this excited for the game honestly since about 2006-07 because and 2005 obviously but we got kind of used to Champions League football for a bit and we've been deprived of that for years that now it's tangible the excitement and then Man City fans like Gibbo's article on it was saying trying to dismiss the atmosphere honestly they haven't got a clue if they're trying to dismiss the atmosphere it's a it will affect players it's not on as beautiful or biblical as an angry cop getting behind the team. And if they're trying to stoke things up, then, you know, more fool them. There's a quote I was looking about it, because better players have been humbled than some of them Man City lads. And Cruyff's one where he says, <coughs> the Liverpool crowds are a mass force behind their team, which sends shivers down my spine. There's no one club in Europe so united with their fans. It's going to be one of them nights. The support and evidence as well, that, that, that Leroy Sano is saying, I don't think we'll be affected by this. You were three months ago. Mm. You know, the, 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 literally bothered you and you fell to pieces for, for 10 minutes and we scored three goals. So if you fall, fall to pieces again for 10 minutes, there's a likelihood we could score three goals again. F- for me, you know, you talk, quotes we were talking about on Talking Reds, I've just done with Craig Annan there. You know, Frank Lampard, one of the best central midfielders the Premier League's ever had, said we, we couldn't handle it. We were smothered by by the cop there's, there's 10,000 more people in this ground now as well that's something that people seem to be forgetting that there's some noise in Anfield now I, I would say the best atmosphere since probably 13 14 you could even argue that it was some since uh, 04 05 is the Man City game earlier in the season um I've never seen a Liverpool crowd kick every ball like that so we there's obviously been brilliant atmospheres and you know um it was partisan, wasn't that, it? That's it. There was there was a slight there was a slight difference. It was almost like a point to prove yeah. from the Liverpool atmosphere that day. It's really hard to put into words how everyone was up for it, or angry. And I know a lot of people get out early. I <laughs> think they're going to be getting. I'm going to King Ali now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like I'm having a Christmas Eve bevy tonight about it. You know, it's it's so 
it's so exciting. We're we're certainly up for this more than Manchester City feel up for it. The only thing I would say is we have got an opposition there are who are probably the best side in, that the Premier League's ever had. We've we've got to consider the fact that there's some top professionals in it who may not be affected this time around. They've had a dress rehearsal, and they'll they'll know what to expect. The only thing I would say to them is what you got last time. I think it's going to be turned up a few notches. It, it is one of them, and it Rick, just to just to, to wrap it up. But it is one of them where uh, you know how do you, how do you not be up for this? And you think with Klopp as the manager, with the players we've got, with the style we've got, home leg first as well, which I, I think most people are convincing themselves now is an advantage. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's what you're in it for, isn't it? Yeah, like you said earlier, if you're not getting another hobby, I yeah. think the. The the quotes have come out. People not going to be intimidated by the atmosphere. I think in the last three years I've seen that four or five times. Uh, Thomas Tuchel said it before Dortmund arrived. Um, that work experience lad at Hoffenheim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, even even United players before we played them in Europa League, they're all playing it down. And as Daddy said earlier, we've we've been deprived of this kind of night for best part of ten years. Right, this is this what we're all in it for. Let's just all have a great time. It is it is the first leg, so nothing's decided. But I think if we can put ourselves in a strong position, the crowd's going to play a there's massive a, there's, factor. There's a good historical article today by Henry Winter in the Times yeah, as well, who, read it, yeah. who's uh, who's reference it goes back to you know as far back as '77. You've talked he's talking about San Etienne being affected by it by Leeds, you know Leeds with Billy Bremner and the like being affected by it. Obviously, we know. In modern history, the other sides have been affected by it, but this isn't a new thing. We know what we're doing on these nights. There's, there's added elements to it now as well, and I love the culture around the big game that sort of stems from 13, 14 and missing, meeting the bus, intimidating teams that way. I wonder if Man City will have something up the sleeve in terms of going against that, but there's only one entrance into Anfield. You know, there's a, there's, you've got to go into that tunnel. It's going to be electric. It's, like I've not seen so many people up for this so much. We've been talking about how how our day is going to pan out for weeks and WhatsApp groups and you know lads that go to the game with just going what time you're out on what time you're out on Wednesday. I'm out on Tuesday. We are up for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. City have even tried grassing us to the police, but you know we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a, a huge week for Liverpool. Uh, all, everyone's really excited. Everyone's getting stuck in. There's going to be lots of podcasts, lots of videos. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Paul's done a, a couple of great plugs there for talking Reds, which is our daily video that we do. We'll be getting excited on that. We get we got excited on here. We getting excited on the subscriber shows as well there's also a free um, podcast out there with Trent Alexander-Arnold talking about um, not only sort of getting excited for European matches but also what it is to be a football player in this city why it's important to put something back and why it's important for Liverpool the city and Liverpool the club and Liverpool the people all to be as one uh, it's a fantastic listen from a very grounded uh, lad and also a great professional and someone who can go far in the game so give that a listen share it tell your mates tell your mates tell your dad um, and also as well um, for those that don't subscribe we do um, we do obviously do a, an immediate post-match show after every game it was free on um, Saturday after the Palace game so you can give that a go but also if just in case you were wondering and thanks to everyone who's took part in this show because we're going to end with this clip um, in case you're wondering what, it, what it's like on the Anfield Wrap when we've won a really big European tie well here's, 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 a, here's a clip 
of, of us going mad after we beat Dortmund at Anfield. Uh, this was the one that we thought, you know, we can play this one. You might want to put the uh, the kids to bed before you play. Fuck this, we just fucking beat Dortmund by four goals. Yes! This is the pink, it's Neil Atkinson, it is Adam Smith, it's Paul Senior, Kim Gordon, Phil Blundell and Tom from Earache Records is in as well. John Gibbons is going to freestyle throughout the whole thing. Liverpool have just beat Borussia Dortmund by four of your goals to three of their goals. Fucking stitch that! Kim Gordon, there is, I cannot remember at Anfield the next Chelsea's day or quite like that in my life. It went absolutely right off, is that fair? Craig Cannon's joining, go on, go on Kim. Oh, Craig. Um, um, I think it's fair to say that I've never seen a match like that in my life and I was in tears at the end, I think. Did you have a cry? I had a little cry. I had a cry as well, so let's... let's all, uh, can I ask you if anyone else had a cry? Did anyone else, anyone else have a cry? A little bit, yeah. I nearly did. You nearly cried, Paul Cena had a little cry, Kim had a little cry, I had a little cry, Kim. Yeah. Talk about the cry. The cry, was, uh, the cry was something special, I had a cry. I think it almost feels to me like, it's, it's a bit like Istanbul, where you... You, what you're thinking? No, but you're thinking. No, but you're thinking like he's got the wrong team. But how can you say he's got the wrong team because he won? Yeah. And it's one of those. He, he probably he probably did pick the wrong team. It was. I understand why he didn't pick Sturridge, although I'd have picked him. But the Allen showed mad. But it's mad that he's won and he's won the game. And you can talk. And it's mad that Joe Allen's had a massive contribution to yeah, winning exactly, the game. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you can. It's the Didi Haman thing where you can you can moan about well we'd have been better first half. If Didi Haman would have started in Istanbul, we would have been better first off if Joe Allen would have started today. But we won the game, and the manager's in the results business, and fucking now we've got a result. So, and and also, you know, you can you can disagree with results all you want, and you can disagree with. Sorry, you can't disagree with results. You can disagree with performances, you can disagree with decisions, but you know, at the end of the day, that's a small part of a manager's job, and what is a massive part of the manager's job is what he does to footballers and. He's just obviously done a huge amount for these footballers in terms of their belief and their terms of winning around because to do that three one down, you know, is is not is not when you beat out plays when you beat out plays. Yeah, it's, it's not what you do on a Wednesday. It's not what you do on a Thursday. It's not what team you pick. It's what you've been doing for six months and and drilling it into them and drilling it into the fans as well. And everything he says and everything he says is very deliberate. And everything he says his press conferences, even though he says they don't matter, is very deliberate. And he's. He's played an absolute blinder tonight, even though he's picked the team that I wouldn't have picked and I was calling for all sorts at half time. Do you think there's, John, do you think, just come back to you quickly, you know, you've, you, you're practically cuddling Paul Senior and that's what you want to do. But there's, um, there is... It's not the first ladder of next tonight. Be middle, you know. <laughs> me, me. Be the last. There is, uh, there is a lot to be said for the idea of what what you're able to do when you decide that football managers matches last for 94 minutes. That was my thing. Yeah. And that was where, as I said before, I'm going to try to say to you before, about the idea that we decided we could almost take a breather for 5 or 80. When you know you're going to go to 84, when you know also that your teammates are going to go to 84, I think that's the big... Yeah. 94, sorry. That, that's a big thing. That, that All of this Liverpool side knew they had, they had two or three big pushes in them in the last in the last sort of eight, nine minutes of the game, including at a time. And I think that, that, again, to talk about the manager, that comes massively from the manager. And the same with that, for instance, scoring late against Norwich's decide. And even then, I mean, I always said with Norwich, the, the funny thing about Norwich is Klopp had sat down and gone, fuck this, it's gone. <laughs> and yet his sides have gone, no, we're not interested in that. You know, it really does feel like these lads are just going, let's just embrace every minute of this. And the atmosphere tonight was magic. And it was magic in a way that's defined by what the players did. Yeah. I thought it was a real symbiosis. It wasn't just singing. It wasn't just, let's just make some noise. There was a symbiosis tonight I thought John that primal roar that's what it's about that's what that's what football's about 
I genuinely feel bad for people who don't like football. I don't know who, who did this from the Anfield Rap account before, but somebody said, before the game, team thought more surprised by the lack of Allen than Sturridge, but feels like a 14-man game tonight. It was John oh, Gibbons. John Gibbons host nailed it. So, He's going back to John's point. Shit, <laughs> 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 listeners, dear listeners, <laughs> John Gibbons currently has his top round his head. Like, lads, lads. Hey, I've got John Gibbons to stop here. I'm wearing it like his own skin. He's just done a dab. Adam's got off. a series of points. Matt I see Matt from the office has just walked let's, in. Let's let let's, let's Adam make a series of points. Adam, go on. Craig first. Go on, Craig. I see Matt just walked in. He doesn't know what's going on. Adam Smith's trying to do proper football. Go on. I can't. I can't. <laughs> John, update, ladies and gentlemen. John Gibbons now in his oh, boxer shorts. Carry on. Pull his sheets. What were you saying, mate? I'm sure it's very important. Adam, what were you saying? I was, Adam, I can't wait to see this. Sports Social Podcast Network.